right. Good morning, everyone. It's uh, really, really lovely to be able to share with you this morning. It uh, it feels like a little while since um, I've been uh, preaching, so uh, we'll see how rusty, uh, rusty I am. But it's really, really lovely to be back and to be sharing. We're going to continue our, our kind of sermon series that we're going through in September, looking at prayer. And we're looking at the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples in Matthew chapter 6. And last week, Christy was looking at the first part of that prayer, you might remember, uh, and helping us to think about why we should pray. And he was looking at uh, the fact that we come before our Heavenly Father, a God who cares and a God who can. A God who cares about us and a God who can act. And we're going to continue looking through, looking primarily at verses 11, 12, and 13, thinking about what we can pray about. As we, uh, as we kind of like begin that little journey into looking at what we're going to explore for a few moments, I want to tell a story. It's always a risk, isn't it? And it's not a true story. You might have heard it before. And it's about a, a young boy who grew up in the north of Germany. Uh, near near Hanover, and he uh, and he grew up there, and is near the north coast, and he and he loved the sea, and his dream was to be part of the of the German Coast Guard. That's that was the dream, and uh, and as he grew up into a young man, he actually realised that ambition, and he joined the the German Coast Guard, and on that very first day, full of excitement and full of nerves. Uh, he kind of gets a little bit of a training as they show him round uh, the Coast Guard and the office. And his duties on that first day uh, would be that he would look after the radio. So as people maybe call in for help, he was the one who was going to respond and direct help towards them. He was going to be the one communicating on the radio. Well, only hours into that first day of work, there came a message from the radio, and it was from a British ship, HMS Improbable, uh, or a British vessel, and uh, and they were in trouble on the water because the, the the vessel was taking on water, and the voice on the radio sounded filled with sort of panic, and 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 so the the voice came through, help, help, we're sinking, we're sinking. This was the moment. This is a moment that the young man had been looking forward to for a long time. This was it. He took a a big, deep breath. Before he could say anything, the voice came through again. Help! Help! We're sinking! We're sinking! And then with all the poise of an experienced Coast Guard team member, he took hold of the microphone, pressed in the button, cleared his throat and said, This is the German Coast Guard. What? Are you sinking about? (laughs) It's it's a silly story. When we come to thinking about prayer, usually our prayers begin with our cries for help. Our prayers start with help. Help, save me. Or this situation is too big. This is too painful. This is too much. I have no idea what to do. Often our prayers start by being prayers of help and and, and will, in a sense, continue to be. 
But as we grow in our walk with the Lord, as we journey with him, as we continue to pray and we continue to get to know him, we start more asking the question, what are you thinking about? We start to want to know who God is. We seek after him more. We begin by loving him because he's saved us. We love him for what he's done. But as we continue to walk with him, we begin to love him, not just for what he's done, but for who he is. What, what are you thinking about? And there's these prayers of, of help, and they always continue. But we also start to develop prayers of, I guess you could say, hello, prayers of, I want to know you more. Prayers of, what are you doing in this situation, Lord? Prayers of, who are you? And what's, how, how can I know more of this love, grace, forgiveness, purpose, and hope? And, and as we look through these, uh, these verses, we'll see that Jesus is encouraging us to, yes, to pray for help, but yes, to pray, to saying hello, praying that we might know our God more. Abraham Lincoln said, I have been driven to my knees many times by the overwhelming conviction that I have nowhere else to go. My own constitution and that of those around me seems entirely insufficient for that day. There is prayers of help, but there's prayers of hello. Let's read the verses together. We're in Matthew chapter 6, and uh, I'll read the, the prayer uh, that Jesus encourages his followers to pray. Matthew 6, I'll start reading at verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And we'll stop there. We're going to see what is Jesus encouraging us as his followers to pray about. Verse 11. We'll, we'll look at verse 11, then verse 12, then verse 13. Verse 11, God, Jesus is encouraging us to pray about provision. Our provision. Give us today our daily bread. As often is the case when Jesus speaks, there's a, a beautiful simplicity but a real depth to what he's saying. Uh, and so I just want to kind of take it at, it, at it as its uh, face value to begin with, and then just perhaps pursue it a little bit more. This idea of daily bread. Bread is, is just something that, particularly in the ancient world, that would have been uh, common, eaten by different people. So it, you might be the emperor, you might be a slave in the house of the emperor, but you're probably still eating bread. Whatever background you come from, the nation you back, that you come from, the color of your skin, your wealth, it's just something for us all because we all have needs. And, and I guess to some extent that's still the same, isn't it? I, I think probably most people in the UK, if, if they're able to, will eat bread from, from some of the very poorest right up to King Charles. I'm fairly confident that, that that's a staple food. We, we all have daily needs. And for us, I suspect in the West, we, we probably have um, relatively, most of us at least, probably have relatively full freezers and fridges. So we do have 
basic needs that we need. And we can recognize that all good things come from God. And we can recognize that we are in need and we can uh, thank him for what he's provided. But our daily needs are, are, is a fuller picture than that. Maybe what we need today is peace. Maybe what we need today is purpose. Maybe it's strength. Maybe it's help to forgive. Maybe it's clarity. Maybe it's a good night's sleep. Maybe it's the, the, the ability to manage our emotions. It might be any number of different things, but we all have daily needs. I wonder if you've ever experienced one of those seasons in life where you wake up in the morning and, 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 and for a few glorious seconds, everything's sort of normal. And then you remember what it is that's been hanging over you. It just kind of, oh yeah, that whatever it is, that uh, conversation that's coming at work, appointment with the doctor, it could be any number of things, but that thing that was actually keeping you up all through the night. And I think what, what one of the things the Lord Jesus is encouraging us to do here is to think, what is my need for today? What is my, my need today? And to turn that need into a prayer. To, to, to not just recognize what it is, but to then bring it before God himself. If that might be peace or strength or, or whatever it might be. Something very practical, something very big. To turn our, our needs into prayers. This picture of daily bread, I found it helpful just thinking back to the Exodus. Um, as I've just been thinking about this for the last uh, couple of weeks. Think back to the, to the book of Exodus. God's people have been slaves in Egypt. And God miraculously, incredibly, wonderfully saves them. So they're, they're brought out of slavery. They pass through the Red Sea, wall, kind of walking between two walls of water. Remarkable salvation. And they're heading to the promised land. They're going to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. They're going somewhere, they're going somewhere good. But on the journey, they're going to pass through the desert. And the desert is hard. The desert is difficult. The, the desert isn't, isn't an easy place. And they're very vulnerable in the desert. They're vulnerable to attack. Where are they going to get food from? Where are they going to get water from? They're, they're, there's a real kind of tangible vulnerability in, in them. It's a massive group of people. And, and God provides um, in lots of lovely ways. But one of the things he provides is daily bread. He provides something for them to eat every day. And they, they call this bread manna. Exodus 16 tells us that the people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. So as, as the people uh, came out of their tent in the morning, the ground was covered with this, this white manna, this bread from heaven. Uh, and it looked like milk and it tasted like honey. So where were they going? They were going towards a land flowing with milk and honey. And at the moment, they're in a desert. At the moment, they're in somewhere difficult and tough. And that's real. That was hard. That's not easy. But as they learned to rely on God, there was this foretaste of what's to come. And as we pray for our daily bread, as we 
we ask God for our, our needs daily. And he provides it to foretaste of what's to come. It's, it's us learning to trust in him. It's us learning more about him. It's, yes, a prayer for, to save me, a prayer for help, but it's also a prayer of hello. It's, also, it's not just God saving us. It's us getting to know him as well. Give. Give us today our daily bread. Not lend, not borrow, not loan, not sell. Give. We'll, as we do this day in and day out, we learn about who God is. We learn about what he's like. We learn to trust him. When I started high school, um, I, uh, I, was, I was reasonably anxious about, uh, about that transition into high school and, and those, particularly those first few months. Uh, I think that's probably fairly normal. And uh, because I live, uh, lived in the middle of nowhere, there was a long bus journey to get to uh, the academic centre, which was Settle High School and Community College. And, uh, and so it was a long time on the bus. And I just used to pray through the day in a very, very simple, uh, genuinely childlike way, praying through double maths. I'm sure I'm not the only one who <laughs> prays through double maths. Um, praying through, uh, you know, the different, langu- the different subjects. Would the French teacher shout at me again? Who would I eat lunch with? Where would you go finding a certain classroom? All that normal stuff. And, and as the weeks turn into months, turn into years, and, and, and you know, I continued on up the school and so things changed but but what was noticeable was this kind of just growing confidence that God will provide what I need that day and what I needed that day was was to know his help at school and so I just want to encourage us sometimes it's hard to see stuff because it's right there in front of us and we've always said it and we know it off by heart but but let's ask God to help us with what we need today Think about what, what do you need today and, and turn the need into a prayer. Secondly, the next verse, verse 12. We're not only encouraged to pray for um, God to provide, but for pardon. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And... And as uh, the, just a little word that we, we go past really quickly, but it, it's, it's wrapped up in, it's together with. Yes, we need things today and, and we need this today as well. We need our sins forgiven and to be releasing forgiveness to others. The Bible tells us we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. Sin is a problem for us all. We all have sinned and fallen short. We've responsibilities and obligations towards God and towards other people. And there are, uh, we have fallen short. We've, we've made mistakes. And everyone else has as well. So not only is a problem between us and God, there's a problem between us and each other. Uh, and the result of that is, is pain and distress and disappointment and mess. And Jesus asks us, he says, just as you pray for your daily bread, so just as you're praying every day for what you need, pray, pray every day that you might be forgiven. And I think what that is about is not 
Jesus is saying, remember how terrible you are. Remember all your mistakes. Remember that you've blown it again. I think it's the opposite. I think it says you come before God. You recognize that because Jesus himself, God himself, stepped into his world to save the people that he has made, because he paid the price for our sins as he died on that cross, because he's purchased forgiveness, he's died once and for all, that our forgiveness is sure, it's solid, it's done, it's achieved, it's finished. It's in every day, come before God and, and ask for our sins to be forgiven, knowing that that sin is forgiven, knowing that forgiveness is there, knowing that it's, it's, it's achieved for you. This is, this is life-giving. This is come before God each day because you know that in him you find freedom. In him you find forgiveness. There's no more guilt. There's no more shame. There's no more living in this sham that we have it all together and we don't make mistakes. It, it, it's, it's this, it's this life-giving invitation to say, come and, and ask for your sins to be forgiven, knowing you'll find it. This is life that we are offered and 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 then we ask that God will help us to release that to others. I might have used this illustration before, so please forgive me if this is familiar. Um, but but then maybe think of it as as breathing. You know, as we as we breathe, this is a scientific insight for you this morning. Uh, breathing is very important to live in. And, uh, and then comprises two main parts, breathing in and breathing out. And we breathe in as we want, we, our bodies need that oxygen, but we also need to breathe out because we need to release that CO2 that is produced by our body before it poisons us. And sometimes, um, I suspect, you probably don't do this on a regular occasion, but if maybe you're playing with the kids or children in the pool and you'll have a little competition about holding your breath, and you might hold your breath under the water, and, and the longer you hold your breath, the more your body's crying out for to take a deep breath. And you think, I desperately need oxygen. I need, I need to take a big gulp of air. But what's the first thing you do when you come up out of the water? <sighs> you breathe out. And then you fill it with oxygen because we need to breathe out and we need to breathe in. And so it is with forgiveness. We, we, we need to breathe in and we need to breathe it out. Now, let me just say, say something here because I recognize as we're talking about forgiveness, it's not just a flippant thing that somebody at the front says. And it can be, it's a very real and, and often very sensitive. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiving isn't, isn't forgetting that something's happened. It might, it might lead to things fading, but, but that's not what we're talking about. Forgiveness isn't turning a blind eye when things are going on that are not okay. Forgiveness isn't pretending that actions haven't been painful or hurting. And forgiveness isn't avoiding it. That, that, that's not what it is. Forgiveness is, is, is releasing. The, the word here... Um, Forgive us our debts literally means to release, to be released from the debts. And we've been released from the debt of sin in our own lives because of what Jesus has done. And we're encouraged here and, and strongly encouraged to, to release others. In the relationships that we live in, the longer we know people, the more we accumulate uh, hurts 
from the past. And, and, and as we accumulate those hurts, those hurts tend to define the present relationship. And forgiveness is about releasing it so that the present doesn't have to be defined by the past. Now, I recognize that there's, there's levels and of, of, of difficulty with that, depending on what has been said or done. But can we be moving towards releasing others as we have been released? Forgive us our debts as we forgive those uh, who are our debtors. And then thirdly, and the last one, number th- uh, verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is a this is a this is interesting one because because this is the only sort of negative uh, connotation in the in this prayer. Don't lead us not into temptation. Deliver us. Take us away from the evil one. And it must be significant because it's right in there with you know. Huge statements like our Father in heaven and, uh, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done. So what, what is this talking about? If we've had provision and we've had pardon, then we also pray for protection. And we recognize that we, uh, we don't live in a neutral world, but there is light and darkness. Paul says, doesn't he, that our uh, struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and um, principalities of this dark world. Peter reminds us that that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And there's a reality here as Jesus encourages us to, to pray, saying, you've got to be aware that you, we need protection. That, that, there, that there are temptations and evil in the world that would seek to come in and to destroy. Now, now we, sometimes when we think of temptation, it's very easy to think of chocolate ice cream. But that, that's, that's, that's slightly dangerous because actually the, some, often the things that we're tempted to do aren't a little bit naughty. They destroy. They destroy. And, 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 it's, and, and the Lord in his grace, I think, is saying, be aware. These, these things are significant. So, so ask God to help in areas of temptation and evil. One more little jump back to Exodus for a moment. It, it may be that in your translation of the Bible, it, it says, um, and lead us not into testing or time of trial or something like that. And, and, and the word equally can be translated temptation, testing. And we know that God doesn't test us. James says, the uh, book of James tells us God doesn't te- uh, tempt us. So what is this testing about? And in the, in the book of Exodus, again, the people are miraculously saved, wonderfully saved. They walk through uh, w- between two walls of water. They're going to a good place, but they're in a hard Place. They're in a, a wilderness place, a wild place. And, and in that, there's, there's real trouble. And, and, the, and in Exodus 17, there's this time where there's this place that they, they call testing. They call it um, massa, but it, it, it's testing. It's exactly the same word as here. And the people grumble against Moses and against God 
because they've got no water. And so they, they start to look back longingly at Egypt. And they wonder, can God, who has saved us miraculously, we've walked through two walls of water, but can he provide a glass of water? And, and we, we, we do the same thing. We've been miraculously, wonderfully saved, but when we're in the wilderness, when we're in the desert, when things are tough, when it's hard and dry, what, God, can you keep me? You've saved me, but can you keep me? And it is a journey, and we will pass through the desert, but it is difficult. And that place that they call testing is a real kind of marker in the story of Exodus that that in Deuteronomy and in the Psalms, it's mentioned, I think, six or seven times in reflection, looking back, saying, this is where things really started to go wrong because there was a, a distrust that crept into the people's hearts. Is God really good? Can God really do this? The God who saved me, can he keep me? Can I, can I get this? And this distrust creeps in, which, which they find very hard to root out. Uh, and so I want to sort of humbly suggest that, that when we pray, lead us not into temptation, in a sense we're saying, Lord, look after my heart. Look after it. Because I quickly jump to, to these conclusions. I quickly begin to... to to doubt, I quickly begin to to question in the dark what you've said in the light. Lord, look after my heart. These prayers that Jesus encourages us to pray probably every day, to recognize our daily needs and ask God for them, to give us them. That's That's quite a bold ask. Lord, give me. But we can because we're his children and he's a powerful God. We ask him um, for forgiveness, that we might live in freedom and that with his help we might um, free others, release others. And we ask for his protection. And in it all, as we journey day by day, we not only ask for his, uh, his, his help to save, but also his help as we grow in our walk with him. So where does it land for us as we move toward a close Two things. First, I want to encourage you this week. Five minutes at the beginning of the day. Five minutes. Sit down with a cup of tea or if you're struggling, a cup of coffee uh, or a glass of water, whatever. Just five minutes. Maybe, maybe, maybe read just a little bit of the Bible and then ask the Lord, Lord, this is what I think I need today. And turn the, turn the need into a prayer. Lord, I want to live free today. Thank you for your forgiveness and grace. And I pray that that will flow through me to others as well. And I'll need your help with that. And ask for his protection. Look after my heart today. That in the bombardments of life, that I might stay sweet. That I might stay focused on you. And that I might speak truth in grace. And one last thing. I'm sure you noticed as we went through, everything we looked at is all in the plural. It's not in, in, in the individual. It's all our and us and we. Is there anybody who you can pray with this week? 
w- w- one of the greatest joys I think that I, I have in this role is that every now and again somebody will call and they'll say, this is happening, can we, can we pray? I love that because this will not be a surprise to you. I usually don't know what to say. Uh, sometimes situations are complex and difficult and we don't know the answers, or, or at least initially. But it's great to pray. It's great to pray. It's great to bring it before the Lord. It's great to do it together. And, and the expectation is that, that we'll give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also forgive in our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This works when we do it together. Is there somebody you can pray with this week? I'm going to pray now as we close and then we'll sing as a way of um, bringing our time together to a close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, what's recorded for us in the Bible. Lord, I thank you um, that in lots of ways what we've been thinking about is so simple, but yet is entirely life-changing. And Father, my, my prayer is that you'll increase our awareness of our need for you and our hunger and desire that we might come before you in prayer. Father, I pray that that individually and collectively, Lord, that we would uh, lead in our lives from the waist up, that we would often be found in your presence in prayer. Lord, I pray it for myself and for us, Lord, that we might get to know you more, that we might enjoy you more, that, that, that the forgiveness that you've bought for us might have full reign in our lives. And that we might be uh, increasingly uh, open channels for your activity in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.